Thank you for tuning in to the NSEP Connect podcast. This is Bree. Hi, it's Mariah. And today we have here with us a born alum, Daniel Meshter. Hey, everybody. Today, we are going to discuss his experience with federal employment in the Department of Defense, or what people call the DOD. But before we get started, Mariah, could you give us a short introduction of what the DOD is? Sure. The Department of Defense is the largest employer in the world, with a total of about 2.8 million employees. That includes active duty service members, civilian personnel, and reserve service members. It encompasses all branches of the military, such as the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, Marine Corps, the Coast Guard, and the Space Force, as well as four major intelligence agencies. The Department of Defense is one of the top four priority agencies where born awardees can report service and is the department where the majority of born awardees report service, followed closely by the Department of State. Uh, So thanks so much, Daniel, for joining us today. So to start off, can you give us a quick introduction about yourself? Sure thing, Mariah. I did my Boren scholarship study in Morocco from 2015 to 2016. And afterwards, I bummed around the world working as an English teacher in Korea, working as a a cook in a pizza shop, and also doing event data coding with a bunch of researchers at the University of Oklahoma. And after I was done doing all that, I started work with the Department of Defense's Travel Management Office the DTMO in January of 2019, in which position I've continued through to the present day. Great. Thank you so much, Daniel. So as we mentioned, the Department of Defense has a lot of different bureaus and offices with many different missions and goals revolving around national security. Could you explain briefly what is the mission of your agency and how do you feel that you are able to contribute as part of your work? As you mentioned at the start of this interview, DOD is huge. And there are a lot of moving parts in it. And the travel management office is just one small part of the overall mission that the DOD has, which is national defense. So uh, whenever soldiers travel around, they travel around in two ways. Either they go on deployment, which is the kind of travel where you see maybe on TV, a bunch of soldiers in uniform boarding onto those big gray planes to fly out to wherever they have to go, or they travel commercially which you can just think of as, well, really any other professional flying to like a a conference or in the DOD's case, it's uh, soldiers and their families doing a permanent change of station, moving from one base to another. And that's when they fly Delta, they fly American, they fly any other airline that you care to name. And that kind of travel gets overseen by my office, the Defense Travel Management Office. Our goal is to oversee, streamline, and report on commercial travel within the Department of Defense. So that's making sure that the organizations we contract to oversee this travel are are doing their job. That's making sure that DOD knows where the people who are traveling commercially are in the world. And that's ensuring that DOD commercial travel is being done to the highest standards of efficiency, you know, out of respect for the American taxpayer, who we ultimately answer to. So in this capacity at the DTMO, we are, well, obviously enabling the overall mission of national security. Which mission, I think most people listening to this podcast will have some affinity or some identification with. I mean, I remember back when I was applying for the Boren Scholarship, writing about uh, how my interest in uh, Yemeni water security related to American national security. So by enabling officers, by enabling enlisted service members to get where they have to and ensuring that they get there with maximum ease, 
and at the most efficient cost to the American government and the American people. We're doing our own small but significant part to contribute to the national security of the United States. Thank you, Daniel. So when you were initially job searching, how did you find a position vacancy? And did you know about your agency before you found your position? Oh, boy. I definitely knew about DOD before I applied to my position, but only like as an abstract concept. Like the the size of the Department of Defense and the sheer number of things that you can do within it really only hit me as I started applying to jobs and has just continued to hit me as I continue to work within the Defense Travel Management Office. I can talk a little bit about the scope of the agency later, but I got my job specifically through just firing out a bunch of applications to whatever announcements came through from NCEPnet, the little website that hosts exclusive job announcements for NCEP award recipients. And it's also the website where you go to report your, uh, your service or you know uh, why you haven't fulfilled your service obligation yet and all that fun stuff. But the primary purpose of NCEPnet is to distribute these specialized job announcements. And when I was looking for jobs, I was just firing out applications to every single job opening that I became aware of through the NCEPnet boards. This itself was a pretty great way to learn about all the different opportunities available, not just in federal government, but also within DOD, because it seems like most of the jobs coming through NCEPnet were DOD jobs. So every single cover letter that I wrote, I had to you know, tailor individually to the particular office or the particular bureau that I was applying to. So I got a little crash course in DTML when I was creating my cover letter to them and then learned about it a lot more when I uh, did interview prep for them. I was also just searching for jobs online. USA Jobs is, well, it can be kind of intimidating to use A and then also a little bit discouraging, mostly because new job seekers have exactly the same experience as federal job seekers. Apparently, you just fire off an application on USA Jobs and then wait a really long time before you hear anything else back uh, from any of the places that you apply to. And apparently, that's generally the experience in applying to federal jobs. I got the same advice when I was in undergrad at the University of Oklahoma from 2011 to 2015. And to this day, even my federal colleagues who are applying to jobs via USA Jobs tell me, oh, yeah, you just fire off your application and then you wait. For the record, I never got even an offer to interview from my applications to USA Jobs. All my offers to interview and all the ultimate job offers that I got came from the jobs that I applied to through NCEPnet. So for all you born scholarship and born fellowship recipients who are applying to federal jobs, NCEPnet's a pretty good bet. Thanks so much, Daniel. That's, that's really good advice. There are so many postings every single day and a lot of opportunities through there that give you a one up because you are an NCEP awardee. So thank you for that advice to all the recipients out there searching for jobs right now. So you talked a bit about your work day and, you know, being in this position for a while and you've actually been working since COVID. So can you talk a little bit about how your workday looks like being that a lot of government agencies have switched to working from home, which definitely has made a significant impact on, you know, administration and the government workplace as a whole? Sure. Like you said, we've been working from home ever since 2020. For my particular office, that doesn't seem like it's going to stop anytime soon. We've had all kinds of you know, surveys go out within the office asking people how much they want to keep teleworking. And the overwhelming response has been, we really like teleworking. We're going to keep teleworking. Commuting in the DC area can be challenging. And that's putting it really nicely. 
traffic can get really thick during rush hour. Not having to face the prospect of an hour commute into work or an hour commute back from work really appeals to most of us who want to live affordably and also work. So we really like teleworking. The way telework looks for me is I work something called a compressed work schedule, which means that I, instead of working five days a week for eight hours a day, work four days a week, 10 hours a day, which gives me a three-day weekend every weekend. Just one of the perks of working for the federal government. It's a pace of work that I really like, mostly because in the morning before everybody else logs on, I'm already just up and away doing work. So whenever people start logging on and asking questions and having meetings, I've already got all my deliverable ducks lined up in a row. All the reports that I have to put together, all the presentations that I have to make, I've usually got those all ready to go before people really start logging on for the work day. So I really like that. And like I said, I only have to do that four days a week. So then three-day weekends come on and uh, I take Monday off. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Uh, I really like the extra little bit of breathing space that the compressed work schedule affords me. So it's one of the aspects I like most about working for the federal government. Um, thank you. And yes, even our NSEP office is working from home and teleworking has its perks. So um, it's just a thing to keep in mind for folks looking for jobs, just kind of what your workday will look like. So you mentioned earlier that you worked in a lot of different areas before you worked for the federal government. Um, so can you talk a bit about your experiences before you started your federal service and how you leverage that experience in your position now? Yeah, you're, you're right on the money that I, I had a bunch of different experiences going into working in program and data analysis with the DTMO. So back during my undergrad days, I did management consulting with the Economic Development Office of the University of Oklahoma. And that gave me all my baseline professional skills. You know, PowerPoint knowledge, Excel knowledge, confidence in making presentations, general analytical skills, they came from that work. Appreciation of people, emotional intelligence stuff, that I kind of picked up on the other jobs that I worked on. There is nothing quite like getting you accustomed to the different moods that people can go through and swing through and how to work with those moods than teaching kids, in my opinion. And that's what I got during my year teaching in Korea. So that was pretty great preparation on that score, as well as working as a short order cook in a pizza shop. So there was that. And event data coding with some OU researchers, some University of Oklahoma researchers, that was just some really cool stuff that I parlayed into my interviews that I had, not just with the DTMO, but with other offices as well. I got to talk about some of the machine learning we were doing as part of that particular project. And, you know, that's that's one of those buzzwords that people in data management and IT are kind of like listening for, and their ears kind of perked up when I mentioned that. So that was pretty cool. So generally, the folks who get NCEP awards seem to be uh, people with pretty diverse interests. And the cool thing is, is that people looking to employ you also get impressed by those diverse interests. And it's just a matter of weaving them together in a narrative that makes you all the more attractive to the people who want to hire you. And the fact that you know, you've know you got your language skills shows that you've got smarts, that you can apply yourself to, to learn a language to a great level of competence. Coming into a job and coming into a job interview as an NSEP awardee, you have a bunch of advantages. And the trick is just to learn how to present those advantages in a way that naturally feeds into people's interest whenever your application comes across their desk. 
Thanks, Daniel. That's a great answer. And I mean, speaking to these skills that you were able to leverage before getting into federal service, I want to talk a little bit about the skills you've gained since you've been in federal service. So you spoke a bit about working in IT and data management, and these are really valuable skills, you know, that a lot of agencies are looking to hire for. How much of your IT and data skills were learned on the job? And were you able to receive training through your education or through the organization itself? This, this is a cool question, and it's got some cool answers. So I had some general exposure to working in IT and data analysis before coming into my current job with the DTMO. I had rudimentary knowledge of structured query language or SQL before starting my current job. The job description called for it. So I looked up some material online, did some brush up stuff. But most of the practical experience that I got with SQL and developing applications within an IT environment or doing data analysis, I actually really learned about and got confident on in the job that I currently work with the DTMO. So that's the cool thing. Mainly with a bunch of these federal jobs, unless it's an explicitly technical position, the folks who are selecting you for the job just want you to show promise. They just want you to show acumen. Like, you know a little bit about what you're going into. And normally, IT shops will have a particular way of doing things. Certainly, the the DTMO's IT shop has a particular way of doing things. And they're far happier to have people who are smart, but not particularly set in their ways, come into those jobs and start up with them. So I learned most of my particular knowledge that I use every day now on the job. And I learned it, I learned it relatively quickly. And the DTMO was really good about teaching me the particular ways that their data and applications shop runs. Now, when it comes to acquiring more specific skills that you can market for whatever jobs that I'll apply to in the future or that you, know, you as an NSEP awardee may apply to in the future, DOD is super good about giving you training opportunities to hone those skills. So I've been able to get the DOD to cover my training in, for example, Oracle's, the Oracle Databases Application Extension. I got a whole multi-thousand dollar course that taught me a lot about Oracle Apex, the application extension, and that DoD completely covered by itself. So that was a fantastic learning opportunity that I got to absorb for free. And that's a skill that I've used to develop applications on the job and that I will certainly take with me to whatever job I apply to next. And then there are other training opportunities that DoD offers to, to train you know, more soft skills. So I just wrapped up the Defense Civilian Emerging Leaders Program, or DCELP. And this was one of the more impactful professional courses I've ever taken. So uh, we, we had to do it virtually in our telework environment, but I got to meet with a bunch of people from across the Department of Defense who were in more junior positions like myself, who want to develop their leadership skills and develop their career opportunities within DOD. So that was four weeks and four different months of coursework and working with really smart, really engaged people from across the department that had us think about self-knowledge, that had us think about empathy, that had us think about different styles of leadership. I really enjoyed that whole experience. And again, as with the like specific technical course in Oracle application extension that I took, this was completely DoD supported, completely free, a terrific opportunity to simply meet other DoD folks and develop one's soft skills. And I have no doubt that this will be something I can leverage to great effect in my career as I move forward, both in my current position and as I advance to others within DoD and beyond. And that's great. There are so many opportunities for training. One thing I've noticed is there's nothing you can't learn on the job. It should be encouraging to our worries who are job searching, especially the, like those just out of college. 
Um, so going back a little bit to job applications, do you have any general tips about resumes or what your particular strategy was when you were submitting resumes and looking for jobs? Without getting too much into the nitty gritty of what a federal as opposed to like a private sector resume looks like, there are plenty of resources out there for that. And you end up awardees who have been in the job search even a little bit will have glommed on to the fact that, you know, your professional private sector resume is going to be just, you know, one page that highlights all the relevant stuff to a particular job, whereas your federal resume is just a pretty comprehensive laundry list of all of the stuff you have ever done, which kind of makes applying for federal jobs, in my opinion, easier because you basically just keep a running list of all the stuff you've ever done along with the most, you know, relevant bullet points from all the jobs you've ever had. And that, for me, never changed from job application to job application. What did change were the cover letters that I wrote, which is how I like it. I like that the resume is just this thing that you you know keep honed, polished to a mirror shine, but your cover letter you have to redo over and over again. And for me, the trick seemed to be just researching the bureau, the office, and the position to which I was applying and highlighting the stuff from the resume that fit that particular position. And then dropping in some stuff that I learned specifically about the particular office. So when I applied to the DTMO, for example, in my cover letter, I dropped mention of their integrated lodging program. And this came up in my interview. And the folks who were interviewing me, including my future supervisor, got to talk about the ILP and what was cool about it, how I might be working with it. So in general, when applying to federal jobs, yeah, your, your federal resume is going to list everything you've done. And then in your cover letter, which you're going to tailor to each position, you can call back to specific points in that resume as appropriate, you know, for an IT job or like a more management analytical kind of job, however that goes. So that was how I approached applying to federal jobs. And it seems to have worked out. Right. It does seem to have worked out. Look at you now. <laughs> but I guess to wrap things up and to be thinking about the job search in general and your experience so far in the federal sphere, could you share some advice with awardees who are currently searching, you know, particularly those with maybe a focus in STEM or data computer science? So I, I have two pieces of advice for folks looking for a federal job, particularly folks with an IT or, or engineering kind of bent. And that is, first of all, to be open-minded, which segues into my second piece of advice, which is the first job that you get doesn't have to be your forever job. The most important thing with the federal government is to get your foot in the door, because it's a lot easier to hear about and apply for jobs once you're already a federal employee. So getting the first job is getting your foot in the door. That doesn't have to be where you stay. Now, I mean, for my part, I just happen to really like the work that I ended up doing. So I'm just there right now. And I've been there for a while and I'm pretty happy with working for the DTMO. But I know plenty of other NSEP awardees who got into their first job and they, they fulfilled their term of service. And then they hopped on to the federal job they actually wanted, like once they'd gotten their clearance or once they'd gotten the training that they were looking for. So keeping an open mind and casting a wide net, those are essential mindsets to have when you're applying for your first federal job. And the thing is, is that it's a lot easier to apply for jobs once you have one, because then you're not worrying about, you know, where your money's coming from. You're not worried about paying rent or getting food. It's so much easier to like think about your career and think about what jobs you're applying to when you actually have one and, you know, have a warm apartment and don't have to, you know, worry about if you're going to get really cheap takeout for dinner or whether or not you're going to go hungry tonight. You know what I mean? So that's the first thing. And once you fulfilled your service obligation per the, the stipulation of your award, then you know you can feel free to not stay in federal government if that's what you want to do. You can be a perfectly good public servant if you just sign up with a contracting shop. 
and uh, support whatever agency you want or whatever particular mission you want or whatever NGO you might be particularly interested in. So the cool thing is, is that as long as you cast a wide enough net and keep an open mind while applying to federal jobs, you will get one eventually. You just keep spamming those applications and eventually one's going to stick. You may really like it, like I did, or you may want to move on. But whatever you do, getting your foot in the door is the most important thing to do if you want to keep on as a public servant. So keep firing out those applications. And remember that once you have that first job and you've uh, done your service, you have all the freedom to do whatever you want to do. Well, thank you, Daniel, so, so much again for joining us here today. It's truly been great to hear about your federal work experience and all the insight that you have for those awardees who are on their job search now. Happy to be here. Love the opportunity talking with you guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, you've been listening to the NSEP Connect podcast. Make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcasting platform to receive updates about new episodes. If you're interested in participating in this podcast, email ncep at ncep.gov with foreign podcasts as the subject line. Thank you for listening and stay safe.